Some old school REM is awesome. But you know that song really does apply to our series here. That what we're doing is learning how to create here moments with God right where we live, right where we work, where God wants to empower us to make a difference. We've learned that in the middle of difficulty that God wants us to experience his presence here in us and in our circumstances, just like Israel as they were overlanding the desert, that they encountered God through tabernacling in his presence, getting strength and direction from his spirit. We learned about Jacob, who was a fugitive on the run from his family. He had messed up his life, but when he had a here moment with God, he consecrated himself to God from that point forward. We learned about Jonah, who tried to flee a here moment of obeying God, and tried to escape the presence of God, but God called him back in the belly of the whale so that he would serve his generation and his culture. And then last week we saw Daniel, and I know we talked about it, but he had to fight the bears before he could face the lions. He had to stand his ground in the face of the opposition of his culture and not give up his holy ground, his place of strength between him and God. Uh, and, and decide that that's where he was going to stand and allow the power of God to move. All of these have been great lessons for Christians living in a culture that is basically being dismantled. And it leads us to another here moment. It, uh, it leads us to uh, a time that illustrates what we should be doing in difficult times. This guy, Nehemiah, came to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls and to rebuild the city that had been dismantled by war. Now, what had happened is when he was watching the city burning on CNN, he didn't hide, he didn't run, he had a here moment with God, which he turned into a here moment, a here moment of building, and that's what God called him to do. Let me read you the story. Out of Nehemiah 2, we're told from Nehemiah's own words, so I went to Jerusalem and was there three days. And then I rose in the night and I and a few men with me. And I told no one what God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There was no animal with me, but the one on which I rode. I went up by the night by the valley gate to the dragon spring and to the dung gate. And I inspected the walls of Jerusalem that were broken down and its gates that had been destroyed by fire. Then I went on to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal that was under me to pass. The rubble was so, uh, so much everywhere that even the animal couldn't travel it. Then I went up by the night, by the valley, and inspected the wall, and I turned back and entered by the valley gate, and so returned." See, this is just like watching the newsreel from Minneapolis after the riots, or more recently, the destruction of Beirut after that horrendous explosion. This is a here moment with God that Nehemiah has to do at night. It is that dark ride of the soul when we have to investigate and evaluate the condition of our culture, 
our marriages, our families, even our own spirits, what's going on inside of our hearts. And Nehemiah is willing to do this work. See, a lot of us want to avoid this. We'll, we'll, we'll have a glass of wine. We'll, we'll take another Percocet. We'll um, distract ourselves with a binge watch on Netflix. We'll do whatever it takes for us not to look into the dark spaces of what's really going on in our lives or in our families or in our culture. And Nehemiah is willing to take that journey instead of running from it. But I want you to listen to what it sounds like when you bring the here power of God into a moment like this. Nehemiah continues and says, saying to the people, you see the trouble that we're in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good and also of the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. You know, sometimes a pastor will um, read a story out of the, the scripture like this, and we will, in, in, in good intention, we will try to apply that scripture the way that we want you to apply that scripture. Uh, again, the intent is good, but we, we will have something that we're working on that we want you to apply this particular story. But let me just say that today, you have permission from God to apply this in all areas of your life that you are called to build. But know this, that you are called to build. Regardless of how we apply this story, every single one of us have a mandate from God to build in our lives. We're not called to find a ship and run away. Well, I tell you, it, it seems like as I look at the lives of people that every Christian has just kind of flocked to the port cities and has hopped on a ship and trying to get away from, the, from what's going on in our culture today. You know, I hear people will say, well, I just can't wait for Jesus to come back. Well, you know, that's not God's plan, at least not at this particular moment. God's plan is to call each and every one of us to build, not to find a ship that will get us out of the situation, not to, to experience a rapture that will take us out of the difficulty, but rather to have the courage of Nehemiah and to rise up and to build in our generation. You are called to build your heart, your relationships, your families, your church, your community, your culture. We are in an hour when God is calling us to rise up and to build. And can I ask you to do me a favor? Please, just please stop posting pictures on Facebook of destruction unless you plan to build. I mean, a lot of times I'll go on Facebook and, and I'll look at it and there'll be pictures of Minneapolis and there'll be pictures of Portland and there'll be pictures of, of all kinds of destruction that's going on in the United States. But stop posting pictures of destruction unless you plan to build. See, we're not here to preach bad news. And if you're just putting pictures up to show the world how bad things really are, you're not doing what God has called us to do. And matter of fact, there are other people out there like CNN that do a better job of telling us uh, about our lives going to hell in a handbasket. 
prophet. Rather, we're called to rise up with the spirit of Nehemiah and to survey, to build, not to shrink back. We're here to rise up and to shine with the power of God to bring restoration in the middle of the rubble. We're not called to watch the news to determine how afraid we should be. I mean, that's what a lot of us do. We'll turn on the news and then we'll watch it. And it's kind of like, you know, I'm, I, it's, it's like this um, thermostat controlling my spiritual life that I turn it on to determine whether or not this is gonna be a good day or I should be afraid or not. We're called to watch the news to determine where we should build. That's what the news is for, for the Christian. Not for us to just post it and terrorize our neighbor with it. So I know, I know you may be saying, okay, Paul, what about COVID-19 then? And, and what about the election? And, and what about the protests and the rioting and the racism? And what about my unemployment? And, and what about my husband? And what about schools? You know, life will always jeer you. It will always be there. There will always be something that will be the what if that will challenge you and try to keep you from rising up and building. And it happened to Nehemiah. When Samballat the Hornonite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant and Geshem the Arab heard of it, the rebuild, they jeered at us and despised us and said, what is this thing that you're doing? I mean, that's always going to be there. If you're, if you're expecting that there is going to be a time where there is not opposition to the will of God in your life to rise up and to build, that time will never come. There will always be the voices that will tell you that you can't do it. There will always be the voices that will tell you that you're not the person to do it because you should be ashamed of your past life. There will always be the voices that will tell you that you don't have what it takes to go forward in the future. But I want you to listen to the here and now response of Nehemiah. Then I replied to the jurors, the God of heaven will make us prosper and we as servants will arise and build. But you have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem. I mean, I love it. I mean, this is exactly the same kind of spirit that God wants to have in us. And it's very interesting that in the Hebrew, the, the very name Nehemiah means comforter. And in this story, what he's doing is he's kind of an allegory of the work of the Holy Spirit inside of us personally. And the Holy Spirit is inside of us today, not telling us to lie down in front of the bear attack, not for us to buy our ticket to get out of here, whether it's on a boat or some rapture, but rather to rise up and to build and that God will prosper us and that God will strengthen us and that God will do a great thing in our lives. But I want you to also see something else that he said to those who were jeering the work that God wanted him to do. He said that you will have no portion in this. Let me say this. If you want a portion in the future, then you have to be a part of the investment in the here and now. Just let that drop in. If you want a portion in the future, then you'll have to be a part of the investment in the here and now. If you want life to be better, if you want marriage to be better, if you want your family to be better, if you want this, this city we call Charleston, the holy city to be better, if you want the, that flag to represent something better, 
then you're going to have to make the investment here and now. And God's calling us to make that investment. Otherwise, we will have no portion with the success that God brings about. You know, I, I think about a story that was even more striking than the imagery that uh, we're given of the city of Jerusalem in ruins or of Minneapolis after the riots. Um, it's another picture of ruin that I think goes right to the soul. It's an image that Jesus paints when he talks about us being called to build. He tells a story about the kingdom of God or, or really the operation of God, how, the, how, what God expects from us in times of chaos, difficulty, and, and how we live. He tells about a man who was about to go on a journey and he leaves a few men in charge of his property and in, in charge of his investments. So he gives them all what the scriptures call, uh, it's a measure of wealth called a talent. But really what it is for us and for our purpose today, he gives them all the power to build. He gives them the power to build, each one of them the power to build. Well, after returning, each of them reports what they built with their empowerment. And two out of three of them built and built well. But the third guy had a different motivation which produced a different response. And that motivation was fear. When he called them all together to give a report, and finally gets to the third man, he asks them to give an account for the power of building and what did you do with this power of building? And listen to what the third servant said. He said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master, master answered and said, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at least I would, should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him. One of the things that I learned from this is that there is no desolation, no greater rubble than a life that is unlived. There is no greater des desolation that we can experience, not the desolation of Minneapolis, not the desolation of Beirut or Jerusalem, but the desolation of soul that we experience when we live our lives unlived because of fear. You see, we were saved by grace, not for grace. We were saved to build, not to hide, to restore, not to spectate, not to, not to uh, critique, not to post. So let me encourage you, apply this anywhere and everywhere in your life. God is challenging you to build. Say it to your family. You see the trouble we're in. Come, let us build that we may no longer suffer reproach. Say it to your church. You see the trouble we are in. Come, let us build that we may no longer suffer reproach. Say it to your community and to your flag. 
You see the trouble we're in. Come, let us build that we may no longer suffer reproach. I have been, a, been through a lot, I would say, in the last five years as a pastor and, and just as a guy. I, I mean, not a, not, I know there's a lot of you out there that have been through a lot worse, but I was just thinking about how the last five years of my life has gone compared to what I thought it was going to do. And uh, the church has been struck by three floods, um, death of loved ones, uh, life-changing physical injury that took all my pastimes and sports away from me. Um, I've struggled with depression and disappointment, um, like so many of you. But I was thinking, why didn't I give up? You know, why didn't I give up? Why didn't I lay down? Why didn't I catch a boat out, you know, from the harbor and, and just get away from all this? And, and there were times when I, I thought about it. Is it because I'm macho? Um, is it because I'm special? Is it because I'm just a great leader? Um, or, or because I'm some spiritual stud, let me just say hell no to all of it. Because to be honest with you, um, most of the time I'm just a people-pleasing coward. I wanna keep everybody happy around me and I, 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 I'm afraid of, of getting hurt or taking a risk. So I know that that's not what has kept me in the place that I'm in, that's kept me in my family where I'm at, standing in that place. Well, then what is it? Well, because even with all the bad that I have viewed and will probably view in my life, I can say with Nehemiah that God has put in my heart to build, and I can't get away from that. I can't control whether or not I get COVID-19, I can't control the outcome of the, the upcoming elections. I can't control the actions of my culture, but I can control whether or not I will hide, whether I will run, or whether I will lay down in front of my culture, or I will make the decision to build. And I have decided that I will live and I will die with my full talent fully invested, that I will use everything that God's given me to do the building that God's called me to do. I will build my family. I will build my local church and I will build my community. Is it because I'm better than other people? No. Is it because my life is easier than other people? No. But because greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. That the same spirit that Nehemiah represents in the story is putting within my heart, and I believe in your heart today, to every one of us cowards, to every one of us who just wanna get along with the people around us, to every one of us that just wanna live a peaceful life, I think right now and today, he's putting within us a spirit to build because that's what our culture needs. That's what our marriages needs. That's what our church needs. We were saved by grace, not for grace. We were saved to build, not to hide, to restore, not to spectate, not to post the bad news, but to declare the good news.
you know, I, as you know, we kind of come to the end of this here moment with God, I'd, when I think about this, how far I have you know, stumbled from what I should have been or done. Well, that's the great thing about grace, that grace restores us. Grace commissions us. It strengthens us. Not to just live in grace, but to build with grace. So let me encourage you. Maybe in listening to some of this, you feel a little bit of my own words. Maybe you don't feel that courageous. Maybe if you've reviewed your heart and behavior over the last three months, you have hidden. You have tried to book a boat to get out of town. But don't let that reproach remain on you because God absolutely loves you. And God doesn't want that reproach to remain on your family, upon our community, upon our flag, upon our church. He doesn't want us to live in shame or in fear or in guilt. He doesn't want us to live without power, but rather he wants to put in our hearts to rise up and build. If you want a portion in the future, then you have to be a part of the investment in the here and now. This is not a time for the church to stop gathering. This is not the time for the church to stop giving. This is not the time for the church to stop serving. This is not the time for the church to walk away from its leadership. Let us say, let us rise up and build and then strengthen our hands for the good work. Heavenly Father, you have spoken in the darkness. You have given light to our soul. You have illuminated the rubble, but not only the rubble of the world around us, or maybe the world that we live in personally, but you have also illuminated the possibility of change, the grace for a new future, the power to build, the promise of prosperity if we will build with you a future where we are guaranteed an inheritance with God as we invest in the here and now. So God, speak and infuse our hearts with that same spirit that Nehemiah represents, that same spirit that rebuilt and raise Jesus from the dead will also quicken our mortal bodies, our minds, our lives, our rubble, our losses, our fear. God, you will raise up your church, your people, moms and dads, husbands and wives, nursery workers, children's workers, worship teams, givers, all across this country, that once again, that your church will rise up empowered to build in the rubble of our culture and to bring hope and future to this generation.